Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, June 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. With Kansas City's two professional soccer teams, one can't win, the other can't seem to lose. Sporting Kansas City's playing great. Three straight victories, terrific play from their stars, good goalkeeping, and that's why they enter the weekend in second place in the MLS Western Division. Sporting Kansas City doesn't play this weekend. KCNWSL, on the other hand, is struggling. Woso is four regular season games into its existence and seeks its first victory. Hugh Williams' team doesn't have a goal in three of the four games and has two draws and two losses to show for its start. The next opportunity comes on Sunday at Legends Field. On today's Sportsbeat KC, star beat writer Sean Goodwin breaks down what's going right and what's going wrong with the team. So let's get started talking Sporting KC and KC NWSL. Sean Goodwin covers soccer for the Kansas City Star. He covers both the Sporting Kansas City and KC NWSL. And Sean, you're covering one team that is hot, 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 and another team that is not, not, not. Let's start with the hot team, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, they're, they're just rolling. Their offense has been terrific. Their best players are playing so well right now. And I got to think that in whatever sport you talk about, when your best players are playing at, at a high level, you're, you're going to have success. Yeah, and that's what you need, right? I mean, you know, we talk about those best players. I think the big two are Jean-Luc Abuzio, of course, and Alan Pleaser. We talk about some plenty on here. Uh, obviously, you've tossed Johnny Russell in there, but he's kind of been struggling injury for the start of the season. So... I mean, hell, imagine what it's going to be like once you've got a fully fixed Johnny Russell, right? Well, no, yeah, it's something I talked to Peter about only last week, just about, you know, the difference between starting off slow and then kind of picking up speed later in the season. And, you know, you're playing catch-up at that point, right? And when you're playing catch-up, you know, players might sort of exert themselves. Some games may seem more important than others. Uh, I mean, look at Minnesota United right now. They're a terrible start in their 12th right now. I thought they were going to be a top four team. So instead, you've got Sporting KC, second place in the West, flying start, five wings already. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun, fun, fun team to watch, especially after the very start of the season where it was a little a little bit slower to start. You know, it was a couple of good, good well, sort of league results and uh, good tagging to Orlando. Uh, but ever since, yeah, they've been rolling, so it's been fun. So it's three straight victories, three goals in each game. Does Polito have a goal in each game? Uh, let's see. Uh, San Jose, yes. Houston, yes. And Vancouver, yes. Yeah, three straights. Yep, yep. But uh, let's talk about uh, Jean-Luc Abusio's goal. That was world-class. World-class goal. I, it froze the keeper. Keeper didn't even make a move. Oh, yeah. It was terrific. Hey, it's one of those where, again, thank God I'm not a goalkeeper. But it's just, yeah, you, you see them, only your best three kicks in the world make a goalkeeper stand still. From my angle, I was unfortunate enough to uh, it was down my side of the field, and I was pretty much I sat on line where the free kick was taken, basically. So you know, I, I saw it go in the corner, hit the post, and even from that angle, I was shocked. I just my mouth was open, and then I see the videos from behind, and I see people taking videos from the cauldron. Oh my lord, I could swear on that ball, and it couldn't place it any more perfectly. Every week, I feel like this kid comes out and surprises us. And I'm just kind of like, is there a point when he'll stop? There'll be a day when he's uh, not wearing the the blue. Don't you have that sense? 
Oh, absolutely. It's sad to say in a sense of, of course, if you're a fan of any team, you want your best players to stay forever, right? But at the end of the day, you do have to accept reality. And we've touched on the subject of MLS, you know, becoming a bigger brand worldwide. But at the end of the day, MLS and sports and KC isn't a Premier League or Bundesliga or Syria. Uh, obviously, he's got his Italian heritage, so there's a lot of talk about him going to Italy. If you're a 19-year-old kid and you have that much talent, and especially the influx of Americans, not only going to Europe, but succeeding, you'd have to be happy for the kid to go and get a chance to succeed on the biggest stage. I agree, and I do think we should really, really appreciate him now. Get out and see this kid play, because he really is a different level player. And you know, we talk about the American um, who's making it in Europe right now, and, and Puslik, and how, how big a story is that? I mean, that's when he played in the in the Champions Cup final. That, that, that was huge. Oh yeah, huge for soccer in this country. Oh, absolutely. I ain't no Chelsea fan, but I'm also a hell of a lot less than City fan. So um, yeah, it was, it was good to see Chelsea pick it up for the club perspective, and then yeah, just with. Pulisic getting a minix he did in the final and he almost scored as well yeah I was out like a Dublin I and just I feel like not just where I was but America as a whole who was watching the game it, it was a collective gasp and groan just <gasps> ooh as everyone thought he'd scored in the Champions League final but yeah you know, you know great to see an American kind of reach those levels and you, you like to think it's only a star right not yeah. just for Pulisic but Americans as a whole that's right. Well, we'll see. I mean, to me, that, that's when we know soccer in this country will have turned a corner. Then when, when we see more of that level player performing in, in Europe, in the best leagues at the highest level, and hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, some of them will have spent time in the MLS. They begin their career and end their careers in the MLS. Yeah, that's a big part of it too. I mean, you look at guys, obviously, Pulisic didn't. Weston McKenney, he was in Dallas's academy, but never made an actual MLS appearance. Giorina didn't make an MLS appearance uh, go on and obviously Giorina is out of Dortmund obviously great German team Weston McKenna Juventus they had a bad season but Juventus the biggest team in Italy Brendan Aronson he spent time in MLS and uh, he's doing well out of Red Bull Salzburg usually a stepping stone to either Red Bull Leipzig one of Germany's biggest teams or elsewhere in Europe so we'll see how Brendan Aronson goes these guys like Reggie Cannon, he was at Dallas and now he's at Boa Vista in Portugal and stuff. So there's certainly now guys who start as an MLS and making that jump over. But the biggest names are the ones that they were poached from a young age or they just have that American heritage. Like, you know, Pulisic, his dad was in the army, correct? Right. And he was stationed in Germany. And Giorena, again, he's got the American heritage, but... As you said, it's the guys like Brendan Aronson and hopefully Buzio soon who start in MLS and still making an impact abroad. Sporting doesn't play this weekend. They've got the they've got the weekend off. Their next game is another home game against Austin, I think, right? Yes. Okay, a week from Saturday. They've already played Austin once. In fact, I think as we look at the season now, that Austin victory a couple of weeks ago was kind of important. Sporting was struggling a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know what the identity was. The Beasler return game, Sporting pulls out the 2-1 victory with the two late goals against 10, I believe, right? That started what's been a pretty good run for, for Sporting. So Austin in the following week. Let's take a break now and come back and talk about KCNWSL and what's going on with the women's team. And I want you to tell me why they can't seem to score a goal. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. 
we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, back with Sean Goodwin, who covers the NWSL, Major League Soccer for the Kansas City Star. And we're talking about the women's team. Uh, winless in the regular season, 0-4. They've only scored a goal in one of them. They had a 2-2 draw against Houston, but they're back-to-back shutout losses. They play Sunday at home at Legends Field, Houston. Uh, your your favorite city. Favorite team, Houston. Yeah. But what's going on? Why is uh, Hugh Williams' team struggling so much on the offensive end? A, a big part of it is they're just not creating enough chances, to be honest. You look at what they've done so far in that Louisville 0-0, even this most recent Orlando game. I don't know if you saw the video, Blair. Ball did not cross the line. But it was giving us a goal. So that could have been 0 nil. Even against Chicago, they were the better team for 45 minutes. And then Khalil Watson, Malibu Pugh comes on and kind of changes it. So defensively, it's it's tough because, yes, teams are scoring goals. But a clean sheet every single game obviously isn't you know the most realistic expectation. But it's, yeah, it's going down your verendic at points and scoring goals yourself. You know, if you if you can see one goal and score two and you win 2-1, Sporting KC, you did it. It'd be tossing 2-1 and no one thinks anything of it, right? But it's just, yeah, it's that transition. I feel like a big problem right now is a lot of these games give have to play with two sixes, two defensive midfielders, more out of just players either being injured, international duty. And at the end of the day, that's, that's not a formation that's set up to attack. You're playing two defensive midfielders at that point. All you've got is your ace. You can't play a 10 because then there's this big gap in the middle of the midfield. So that midfield is drawn back a bit. And then, of course, you're front three. But when you're defending and you're trying to go in a quick transition and you don't have the players up to be able to do that, then you either get into tough isolation situations where a winger or Amy Rodriguez or whoever's being outnumbered 2v1. And then when they do get in those dangerous positions, it's interesting if, if you've watched the games, you know, they try and play pretty soccer, I guess, the best, best way I can play, you know, ball on the ground, playing about, and it has produced goals. But they, they honestly look more dangerous with the route one over the top. <laughs> I mean, you know, you think of Amy Rodriguez's first goal for Kansas City back in the Challenge Cup, that was a ball over the top. Houston game, that was a, a, long, a long transition ball to the right wing. Ball was put back across for Rodriguez. Boom, very quick. The second Houston goal, again, just lobbed it into the box. And then when you were playing uh, Orlando as well, it was those long balls into the box at the end of the game when you were looking for, you know, they were looking for an equaliser when they honestly looked more dangerous. And I get that. It's the best league in the world. It's the best players. You want to have a identity and a style. And I see what Hugh Williams is trying to do. I get it and I get why you want to do it. And I'm sure the players want to play like that too. You don't want to be classified as a 
proof the ball up the field kind of team. You know, back in England, we call that like a Sam Allardyce team or a Tony Poulos team. It's not, it's not a compliment. But right now, that's where you're being the most lethal. So it's it's finding that balance between still playing attractive, pretty soccer while still being effective and scoring goals when you need them. I guess the if you had to have a, a slump or uh, a stretch like this where you're, you're you know you've got some issues, it's best to have it early, and you've got time to work on it to continue it. Keep in mind too, this is a this is an expansion team. As much as we want to think of it as the continuation of a an interrupted uh, team that yeah. uh, you know that went to Utah for a couple of years, it's not that. It's 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 new. You talked about international duty. There's there's a lot of that going on with this team as well, as with other teams. But um, it seems like the, the the Canadians on the on the NWSL team are all getting called into uh, international duty. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm trying to come up with reasons why a team that arrived with so much fanfare, the rollout was so good from a media relations standpoint. Every move that they've made off the field has been so good. I, I want them to have success for them. You know, I want them to feel yeah. good about an, an outcome. Yeah, and once you're getting those wins, it's easier for people to become a fan. And as, as sad as that thing is, or as sad as it is, you know, if you're a passionate fan or if you follow the team for multiple years already, you know, you, you can go through a slump. You know, I mean, look at the Royals these past couple of years. You saw the bandwagon almost uh, back in the World Series days. And obviously, a lot of loyal fans, a lot of fans stayed on. But from going from packing a stadium to uh, pre-COVID, it, it's the same deal for the women's team. If, you, if you're winning, people follow easier and then they, that's when they become loyal fans. And to be missing that, to be missing that component of a winning side, it's also tough to draw people in. It's coming, and I think just, again, expansion team, nature of the league, how tough it is. You know, it, it's not like outing Europe where if, if a team goes on a loser streak like this, asking for the manager to be fired. Right. No one's asking to kick Hugh Williams out already. And, of course, he doesn't deserve to be kicked out. Give him time, we'll see how it goes. And you have to remember, at the end of the day, yeah, some teams have only played three games, some have played four. Kansas City is in last place with two points. North Carolina is in fourth place with four points. It's early days, it's tight. You know, once everyone's played four games, even one win could put Kansas City right into sixth or seventh place, and then you're right back into playoff contention. It's, it's getting that first win and taking it from there. Well, it's difficult sometimes to write about a team that's that, that's not winning but you came up with a story this week that I, I really enjoyed the headline in the Kansas City Star was soccer moms how Casey women's pro soccer players with kids balance duties of life and work and you spoke with Amy Rodriguez and Michelle Vasconcelos balancing life as as a professional athlete and a parent and um, it's it's not it's not always easy but we should say at the outset that uh, men have to deal with this as well, but you cover uh, both the men's and the women's teams. And listen, the, the one game that I attended this year, I saw their kids out there. They're bringing them to practice sometimes. It was a fun story. I'm, I wonder what, what inspired you to write it and how, how much did you enjoy doing it? I guess a big part of what made me you know, think about writing and wanting to write it is, like you said, you know, obviously, Dad's work, you know, with soccer dads. You have to take care of kids as well, I'm sure. Just through professional life, you know, with single dads, because dads have to deal with picking the kids up, blah, blah, blah. I get it. 
But I think a big pass on the women's side is, I mean, right off the back, you look at Amy Rodriguez. Her husband lives in California, so she's basically a single woman and a pro athlete. But it's also, I think, a huge part of it is the um, capades disparity. Even the, the lowest in men's players in the MLS, they're making more than enough money to be comfortable. The big difference to the women's side is, you know, some of the top, top players might be doing well, but the minimum salary is so much lower. You can't be affording to nanny your children every single day, just tossing money on flights and tickets to take them to every single game. So then, yeah, it, it gets into a tricky situation for a lot of these, these soccer mums of, especially Amy Rodriguez, you know, who do you leave your kids with? As I said in the story, oftentimes because of those nanny costs, and Kansas City, as of now, doesn't offer like an in-club nanny. Like I know Chicago Red Stars does that. Uh, Michelle, she used to play there, and that's what she has. So, you know, she has to take her kids to practice and go just have to sit by the side and, you know, get my play with soccer ball or something. But still, Amy says it's, it's a place of seriousness. It's a job. And she can't be telling her kids not to be throwing crayons at each other's head and, you know, messing about because she's got to wear. And then, yeah, just travel, you know. Michelle Vasconcelos' husband, Pedro, he's been really good for her and with Amy too, kind of taking care of the kids and, you know, taking them to games and stuff, which is a big help, of course. But he can't do that every game either. So, of course, you know, Amy is having to take the kids on the team bus or fly them over with the team to away days. It's a much tougher situation, I think, for NWSL side than it is for on the MLS side which was a big part of why I wrote it. It was a terrific story, and we're linking to it in the show notes, and, of course, it appears on KansasCity.com. It was in the Thursday editions of the Kansas City Star newspaper. So uh, the Wosos, the Fighting Wosos, play Sunday against Houston. Do you give them a chance in this one? They they, they had their only result um, against Houston earlier this year, a 2-2 draw. Back in front of the home trials, they have to win at some point, right? I think Houston is a tough, tough opponent. They've not got off to a great start either, to be honest. They won their first game, and they their three games without a win themselves, including a 2-2 draw. So, you know, you've got two teams on a bag streak. I know after that Houston game, Hugh Williams was hoping that they carry that momentum into the next couple of games. It didn't. But when you're coming up against a team where you go down to 10 players, you're getting a least equaliser. That, that's got effect you know, Houston a little bit mentally right. And you have to hope that as Kansas City continues to build their way into 100% form and tactics and back in front of the home crowds, it's a 1pm game, sun will be shining. Let's see if they can pick up a result and get those uh, first win in franchise history, I guess. Okay, well, Sean, uh, get yourself a shoulder massage because uh, you shouldered the show today with Allie Trost out of town for a few days. We missed you, Allie, and look forward to talking to you next week. Sean, we always look forward to talking to you, and we will do it again soon. That will do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Big thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Thanks to Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com, and that includes the recent story he wrote about the soccer moms. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. 
Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. It's always a great time to subscribe. You can read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the Colleges, Sporting KC, KCNWSL, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.